Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this series that's designed to take you deeper and farther in your faith than ever before. We hope that this next series will be an encouragement to you wherever you are in your faith journey. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Will you take a moment to go to branchlife.church and click on this connection card? And if this series speaks to you, we'd love for you to share it on your social media anytime in any way. Just click the link or the share button on whatever platform you are watching. Hey, stay tuned to the end after this talk, and I'll see you then. Chris just gave me a new slogan for our TIC conference, better than the honeymoon, right? We hope that you guys will set aside that weekend. I'm very excited this morning to be continuing in our next series. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life, and uh, today we are continuing through the series that is designed to help you take your essential steps forward in your spiritual life. Not only for you, wherever you're at, but so that you can help someone else do the same. Because we believe that we are better together. And these steps, these things that we're talking about each week, are designed by God to deepen our faith as we're all on a spiritual journey. Today is no exception. We are talking about the important step of getting connected to a church. But now here's my, here's kind of my uh, pastoral advice for the series. Stop going to church. Now, that might seem controversial to some of you, that a pastor would tell someone to stop going to church, and I'm going to unpack that in just a moment. I have with me a football, for those of you that are hockey fans, this is a football, <laughs> all right, and this, this gets used in one of the most popular sports in the world, rivaled only maybe by European football. American football is the dominant sport as far as fan base, as far as financial profitability. And every year, there is the game of games. What's that game called, class? The Super Bowl. Now, don't forget, we're working as a church together at being louder and more engaged because we are gathered together as a church worshiping God on this beautiful morning. Amen? And so we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to use football to remind you why. Now, at the Super Bowl, it is estimated this last year, let me see if I can get this number right, that there was 112 plus million people, I'm, I'm assuming my numbers are correct up there, I got the right amount of zeros, who watched the Super Bowl around the world. That's a lot of people who watched the Super Bowl. Now, 112 Thousand million people watched this one game. Now, how many people do you think actually got up, got in their vehicles or their airplanes, put on their football outfits, and went to the stadium on the day of the Super Bowl? It wasn't 112 million. It was approximately 62,000 people that went to the Super Bowl in person and saw it there for themselves. They were in the stands, and guess what they did? They cheered, they put on face makeup, right? I mean, warrior paint, they, got, they wore the colors, 
right? They got there early. They stayed late. They had an incredible experience. It was amazing. They loved it. And when their team scored, they yelled. And when, they, when they, uh, the other team fumbled and it got turned over, they screamed. And they booed when the other team, and they got mad when it didn't go their way. And everyone was there to watch the game. And there was 62,000 people that paid, in many cases, thousands of dollars just for the ticket, let alone all the expenses to get there. Celebrities, presidents, athletes, millionaires, plumbers, lawyers, right? Regular everyday dads with kids went to see this game. Now on the field, there were two teams, each one trying to get this ball and to get it into their end zone so that they could get points and win the world championship. How many people do you think played in the game itself? There are 32 people on a professional football roster. 32 times 2 is? Amen. Good job, guys. 64. 64 people played in the game, had the opportunity to get their hands on the ball, to advance the mission of their team, score points, win the Super Bowl, the thing that they had been. These 64 people have dedicated their lives to this ball. They go to practice year-round. They, they stay physically fit. They get out there, and it all leads to this game. They play through the regular season. They try to get up on the standings. They try to get a better team for the next year. These guys all started, and, and in some cases, gals, they all started as little, little tykes trying to get out there and learn how to play this game. They, they had coaches. They had mentors. They had accountability. They had all kinds of stuff happening so that they could raise to this elite level and eventually play in this game. And 64 people made it to the Super Bowl, and they played in the game. And there were thousands of people cheering them on in the stands and millions of people watching online. Now, do you know what happens to these people during the Super Bowl, the 112 million, including the ones in the stands? Do you know what happens to them during the Super Bowl? They get fat. No, I'm serious. They get fat. They eat thousands of calories in the course of four hours. Like, you know how many calories are in nachos and buffalo wings and soda and beer? You know how much, how much they're taking in with the hoagies that they're eating and the pizza? Yeah, I know. I'm hungry now, too. And, and, all, and they're just sitting there doing nothing but entering calories into the mouth gate. A minute on your lips. Forever on your hips. Literally, it is physically bad for these people to watch the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, 64 people are getting fitter. They're getting stronger. They're having a cardio workout. They're exercising their muscles. They're working together as a team. They're staying on mission. They're bonding in relationships. And they are becoming better in their lives because they're participating in the game. Today, we are talking about the church and why it is essential in our lives. If you do the math when it comes to the Super Bowl, the percentage of people watching the game versus being in the game, just in the stands alone, the people that actually made it, is .001. That's, that's who's decided from the in-live persons to be in the game. They're actually playing. If I do the math, 
for the 12 million, you add the zeros, 0.000006 are the percentage of people that actually got in the Super Bowl versus everyone who watched it. This is such a small percent of the people that are actually engaged in participating in the Super Bowl versus the ones that watch it. That Super Bowl paradox is the same paradox that the church has today. There are over 300,000 churches in America today. 300,000. There's a little over 300 million people. So there's plenty of people for these 300,000 churches. You could put 1 million people in each of those churches and you still wouldn't have enough. That's why Branch Life is dedicated to planting more churches. Around the world, there's 5 million churches that exist. 5 million. 300,000 in America, 5 million in the world. You start doing the math, just people participating in the church, you have, you have a small percentage that's going. Now, out of those churches, there are a lot of people that are watching church. They're watching a worship experience. They're going to a building. They're entering in and actually getting on. They, they participate on a regular basis, and they watch the game, and they sit down, and they spectate while the real game is being played by those who are committed and engaged in the church. You see, when I say the word church, what do you think of? If you think of a people, a group of people in a game, you are in a very small percentage. Because when most people hear the word church in this world, they think of one of three things. A building, I'm going to church. A worship service, I'm going to a worship event. Or three, an organization. I'm going to a religious institution. And those three things, none of those, the building, the worship service, or the religious institution, are the church. I want you to turn with me to, to uh, Matthew. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 16. Now, what we want to learn today, not only is the proper understanding of what the Bible says a church is, but what it means to be a committed, engaged member, someone who is actually playing the game when it comes to the church, doing what God has asked the church to do. So this passage in Scripture is actually the first time the church is mentioned. And it's in Matthew chapter 16. It's a conversation between Jesus and Peter. You've heard this before, but let's put ourselves in this setting. Jesus is teaching Peter and the rest of the disciples a very important lesson. Chapter 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, his followers, who do people say the Son of Man is? P.S., that's the most important question in the Bible. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Literally the most important question in the Bible. And how people answer that question will determine your eternity forever. Who do you say Jesus is will change what you think. It'll change what you do. It'll change where you go. It'll change who you are. It gives you the ability to have your sins forgiven. It allows you to understand the gospel and be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. 
It is a life-transforming question. So, of course, Jesus is asking his disciples this very important question. Yes, even his followers, he was making sure they answered this question right. So you're at a church this morning. You're watching church online today, or you're participating somewhere around the world. Who do you say Jesus is? I don't care if you've been sitting in a pew your entire life. Who do you say Jesus is? The most important question. I was actually, been, I, have a, I, have, I have my little... Uh, bookmark here providentially who's your one we talk about this at branch life church who's who's one person that you're praying for every day to get come to know jesus and your one can change actually i have multiple ones i don't know if that's mathematically possible but every day praying for people by name maybe they're someone i met that day maybe they're someone i've known my whole life that i would love to see jesus save and transform right i was walking together with one of my ones just a few weeks ago and he actually he, this was his spiritual question do i have to believe that jesus rose from the dead like i get that there's a god i get that there's there's a higher power in this world. I get that I need saving, but I'm struggling with like someone actually rose from the dead. Do I have to believe that happened? And I said, you know what? That's a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of like the thing, that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, you have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead in order to be saved. Jesus, before his death and resurrection, is saying to uh, his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Now, verse 14, they answer. Then they said, some say John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, Others say you're Jeremiah or just one of the prophets. And so there's lots of answers for who we say Jesus is. Good teacher, right? Great guy, spiritual leader. He's, he's, a, he's a prophet of some kind. He's a liar. He's, he's, a, he's crazy. Like different people have different ideas of who Jesus was. And so you'll get all of these answers out there to actually say he's the Messiah, the predicted savior of the world, the guy that came and died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Well, that's... That's rare. That's a small percentage of people that actually believe that. And then Jesus, uh, then he said to Simon, uh, verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for the for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Simon became convinced that Jesus was Messiah, that he was the Son of God. He had been led by the Holy Spirit into that moment. God the Father had revealed it to him through nature, through the experiences, through the teaching of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter's eyes have been opened to this truth and reality that he believed Jesus is the Savior of the world. And that he needed to be a follower of him. That's Peter. Now, last week, we talked about the essential step of baptism. Baptism is when you go public with your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the only reason to get baptized is if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The only reason to get all wet and identify yourself with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus is because you believe it's actually true. Now, what do you do once it's true? What do you do once you've gone public with your faith and you said, I'm all in with this, with this Jesus thing? Well, Jesus is going to give you the response with your life to the truth that he is God. What does he want you to do? He's going to say it right here. Are you waited with bated breath? And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. 
now that you're in, now that you believe, I want to talk to you about my church. And Peter's sitting there going, he think, I, I answered right, he's the, how proud of me, he told me I'm blessed, he reminded me of my name, and he's going to tell me something really important, and God says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and that's, it doesn't just stop there, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whoa! That's like really powerful and big and strong. Like, that's unbelievable. And then he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged them. Like, this church thing's got eternal power. This church thing's got God power. This church thing's got heaven and hell power. Like, this is more than a, a building or a worship service or an institution. This is divinely inspired Holy Spirit-powered movement by God that he's going to build on this planet, in this place, through his disciples and his followers of Jesus. And Peter's sitting there, and he hears this, and he, he's looking there, and he, he looks over at Philip, and Philip's like, <laughs> he looks over at Andrew, Andrew's like, he, lo he looks over at Nathaniel, and Thomas is all back there going, <laughs> John. What's he talking about? John's like, got nothing. Peter goes, this is Josh Park paraphrasing, what's a church? What's he talking about? I've never heard of a church before. And, and you're going to build this and I'm going to spend the rest of my life. So he's sitting there and he's absolutely dumbfounded at the idea of a church. God uses the word, Jesus uses the word, which translated means the gathered, the called out ones, the ecclesia. I'm going to build my group of people who are called out, and this group of people assembles, like, right, like, it's, like, this is the moment, right, and Thanos is here, and he's kneeling, and all the Avengers are coming through the portals, and, and Captain America, you know, says, assemble, right, we're going to get him. Yeah, let's go. Like, this is Jesus saying, let's go. I'm going to gather my team. I'm going to gather my family, and we're going to attack. We're going to go after it. This is the church. We assemble. We come out of the crowd, and we gather together, and I'm going to build this church, and it's going to have God's power behind it. Now, when you become a Christian, you've got to ask yourself, this question, do I see value in the church? Do I understand what it has been designed to be and to do? This question is fundamental for your faith. If you can answer this question, your job is going to be helped to train other people to answer this question. But so many people don't see the true value or they settle for a less than value of what the church has been designed. So, so many people say, church, what's the point? And what I'm saying to you today is stop going to church and start being the church. It's not just something that we attend. It's not just a place that we go. It is who we are 
with our lives. And there's so much more value than a nice Sunday morning. There's so much more value than having a couple of friends that you hang out with. There's so much more value than a, 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 a preacher kind of being interesting for 30, 40, or in my case, sometimes more minutes. Good songs. Nice atmosphere. Fresh coffee and donuts. There's more to it than that. And if that's all it is, like most of the world, you're going to actually end up saying, what's the point? Why am I going to waste my time? I could sleep in. I could get some uh, practice in. I could make some more money. I could hang out with my family. Why would I give up those things for fresh coffee and donuts? And a guy that talks too much. What is the value of the church? Historically speaking, the church has carried some incredible value. If you start with the story of the Bible, you understand that the church carries with it uh, some importance because from Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, so from Acts chapter 2, the very first Bible after the life of Jesus, all the way through Revelation 4, guess what the topic is? Church. Everything has been written in the context of the church. It's written to churches, by churches, with church leaders, and church mission, and church purpose, and church instructions. And the entirety of the New Testament is dedicated to two main topics, Jesus Christ and the church. That's massively important. That's a huge percentage of the Bible. The Bible holds incredible value on the church. Each disciple then, following Jesus' instructions, gave their life to the church. They dedicated the rest of who they are. They dedicated the rest of their, their uh, work. They dedicated the rest of their families. They dedicated the rest of their time. They dedicated the rest of their money to building the church. And every single one of the disciples, not just the 12, but the dozens and hundreds that were in that moment with Jesus when he said, I'm going to build my church, went on after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven and built the church. They went to places like Spain and Egypt and France and Asia and Rome, and they built the church. They went to South Africa and Ethiopia. They went to the Mediterranean, and they, they built the church. It's what they dedicated their lives to. Why? Why would anyone do that? Why would they do something that's never been done before? Because they believe Jesus died and rose again from the dead, that he was the son of God, and he said, I'm going to build my church. And so they said, we're all in with this thing. That's the value that the disciples saw. So in every town that they went, they gathered, they called out followers of Jesus to assemble to then do the work of the ministry. And the Holy Spirit brought value to the church, right? The Holy Spirit moved starting in the books of Acts, and it says over and over again that thousands were added to their number day by day by day. And whenever I read those passages, I say this prayer, God, let it be so for us. I want to see thousands of people who are added to the church day after day after day after day. And one church can't do it. One local assembly can't be the one that moves thousands of people to God. It can't even be a, a collection of churches. It can't even be a network of churches. But Branch Life is dedicated to building a network of churches that impacts the Northeast and the world for Jesus Christ. It has to be a movement by the Holy Spirit through the church in order to see thousands of people get saved. Listen, we started our baptism applications online about a year and a half ago or so where this act the form actually existed online and people started filling out that form the reason i say that is because we now have a record of everyone who we've baptized because they filled out the form online and it's well oh it's it's approaching 30 people that have been baptized since that form has been filled out 30 people have been baptized in the last two years 
we've got adults, we've got teenagers, we've got moms, dads, grandmoms, we've got all kinds of people that have given their life, college students that have given their life to Jesus and they said, I'm all in, dad, and, and, and we're going to stand, so the 30, 30 people, like man, for a church plant that's just starting, like it's just amazing and I can't, I can't just thank God enough for that, but we're not done yet. 30 is just the beginning. I'm praying for the day where there's a baptism a day every Sunday. 52 in one year. I'm praying for that. And I'm praying, like I look at 30 in two years, and I'm like, that's we're close. Like God's moving, and I want to be a part of that. And, and what if it was thousands coming to God every day? Like, wow, may it be so. That's the value that the Holy Spirit sees in the church. Historically, if you look at the value of the church, you have to give church the credit, the church the credit for some incredible movements. So God said, I'm giving you apostles, I'm giving you apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors for, to equip the saints for every good work. I want you to do the work of the ministry so that we are God's workmanship created for good deeds. So if the church is God's good people doing good deeds, then we should have good things happen. Well, that's the testimony of the church. The church has been impacting our culture for hundreds of years, and we've been impacting our culture for good. Just think about the beautiful art and architecture and literature and songs that have been composed because of God and the gospel and church. We've had an incredible transformational impact in just those areas alone in our world. And in, in, in uh, three, 369 AD, so almost 400 years after Christ, guess who started the first hospital? Christians. Christians started the first hospital. The church started the first hospital. And today, the church is the largest healthcare organization in the world. Guess who started the first orphanage? Church. The church has had a reputation for caring for the least of these since the beginning of time. Helping children, helping widows, building orphanages, fighting for those that can't fight for themselves. Giving value to those of different races and of different places because we're not have value based on our age or our ethnicity or our money. We have value simply because we are made in the image of God and we are his. So the church promotes freedom and fights for justice in this world. And the church has been on the forefront of feeding and helping and caring for the least of these for generations and generations and generations. And our prayer is that we will continue to bring that creativity and that grace and that love to our world as a church. As we do two things, love God with all our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. We just happen to believe that God, when God said it, he meant both of those. That's the value that the church has brought to this world. But what about you today? What value do you see in the church? For so many of us, it's easier to sleep in than to go to a worship service. We'd rather work extra hours and overtime for a larger paycheck than to participate in serving on the weekend. It's so easy to cut out half of our Sundays because of the, the sports season that's coming up and, and because, because of the, the conflicts in our schedule. And instead of committing our lives to gathering and assembling like God has asked us to do, we commit to sometimes show up when we're not very busy. And when we look at our lives and we say, do I value the church? I say, well, we got a lot of people that say they love the church, but they really look like they value other things more. Because that's where they spend 
the majority of their time. And the truth is, in our culture, before COVID, 80% of the, of the planet, 80% of the planet, 80% of the people in our region were not in any worship service, whether Christian or non-Christian, last Sunday. And those are pre-pandemic numbers. Since the pandemic, it's gotten worse. In a recent survey of thousands of people, they talked to the different generations, millennials, Gen X, and boomers, about their particular church attendance. And to kind of sum it up, about 65% of the people in our churches are attending and participating in the same church that they were in before COVID. Only 65%. That means most churches have seen a large flux or change of people that were attending their church. Some have attended multiple churches. Others have started attending a new church with Neither of those do I, do I have qualms with. We're all a part of the kingdom of God. But here's where I find a great problem is the first one. I have stopped attending it entirely. This represents roughly 20 to 20, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, almost 22% of the people who are attending a church have stopped attending entirely, not even participating online through the pandemic. You can see that these, in these same generations, out of 100% of the church attenders that were committed to a church, that many are attending in person, some are attending a hybrid online and in person, you can see the different numbers, and then some are simply participating online through the rest of this season. Do you see the value in the church? Now, what would you say to somebody else if it was your job to sit down to mentor, to coach, to disciple someone, and then convince them that they need to, on Sundays, gather with their church, they need to serve, they need to be all in, they want to get on the field and play. What would you say? How would you explain to them the value of church? This is our mission right through this series, is to connect us with the small circle resources so that we can teach people what God teaches about the church. Would you say they got good music? Would you say they got donuts? Costco gives them food and they give it on Sundays. Would you say they do good things in the community? Would you say they encourage you in your spiritual walk? Would you say that they give spiritual nourishment to your kids? Would you say that they build community in your life? When we look at the entirety of Scripture... We see some very important reasons why we should value the church. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, Tom Rayner wrote an article called Five Reasons to Be All In with Church. What I believe he says by all in is to be a committed member of a church that follows God and defines church correctly. And in order to be a committed to a church, here were the top five reasons that committed all in people said they participate in the church. And I think these are good reasons. Number one, committed commitment to a church is thoroughly biblical. Why should someone value the church? Well, because the Bible says so, <laughs> right? Like that's super important. The Bible says so. And when you're out there teaching people what the Bible says about church, you have to understand, A, most people don't understand what the Bible says about church. They have the wrong idea of church. And two, a lot of people have been thoroughly hurt by the church. They have something bad that's happened to them. And so when we say that the church is biblical, we have to overcome both of those hurdles. One, what is it? And two, what happens when it hurts? We have to understand that hurt in the Bible, and we've talked about this in our last series, hurt is not God's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. It's not the biblical church's fault. 
It's broken people's fault. People hurt people. And so many times we throw that hurt from other broken people onto God and we blame God, we blame the, the, the church that he designed, we blame the Bible, we blame Christianity when God is there saying, no, 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 I'm here to help you and to guide you. As a matter of fact, I just need you to obey. Like, this is a big deal and it's something that's gonna matter and don't let Satan use confusion or pain to separate you from what God's saying is good. Most of the Bible talks about the church, we've already mentioned that, and simply stated, and this, maybe this is controversial to you, simply stated, you cannot be joyfully obedient to Christ with nominal or no commitment to his church. You can't say you're a Christian and not be committed to his church. Number two, commitment to a church builds community. In Acts 2.42, the members understand that they are accountable to each other and they dedicate themselves to fellowship and this isn't accountability like i'm taking attendance today i'm going to find out if you've been attend. i don't know i don't think that you've read enough verses today no this is life on life how do i do life together i see you're down i see you're discouraged i see you're absent i see you're i see you're distant and i want you to to know the love of jesus more and we get that accountability when we lock arms and we do life together committed members to the church it creates pathways to fully and deeply study scripture. How many of you have ever tried to lose weight and it didn't work? No, raise them up. Come on. Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times I tried to lose weight and it didn't work. Right? Or it worked for a little bit and it went away. And here's what happens. We say we want to do something and then we go try to do it ourselves and when we try to do it ourselves, it kind of doesn't happen. I want to learn a new language. I want to take a, a sport. I want, to, I want to become a better golfer, right? And we try to do all these things and it doesn't necessarily happen. But the moment you get into community, the moment you get into team, really important things that creates pathways to really important things happening. And the church, being a part of the church, creates a pathway to deeply study scripture. And so many people say, I don't need the church. I can just know God more. How do we know God? We know God through scripture. How do we know the scripture? By being a part of a church. The church, scientifically proven, shows that you will study scripture more if you're a part of a church. Number one, you'll personally do it more. You'll spend personal time in God's word. Number two, you will probably have a plan to read through the Bible. We promote that every year, and most churches do. You'll have also be a part of a small group where your Bible study takes place. And oh, by the way, on Sunday mornings, you're going to hear the word weekly. We preach from the Bible every single time. That's our commitment. So you'll know the Bible more. Why is that a big deal? Because that's God's word. And so many of us beat ourselves up because maybe we didn't do our devotions or maybe we said we're going to read the Bible. But frankly, when you disconnect from the church, people disconnect from God's word. Commitment to a local church, the fourth reason that was given was commitment to a local church is necessary for reaching people far from God. If you really want to share, like Alex said, if you want to storm the gates of hell, listen to me, don't do it yourself. <laughs> right? Frodo's going to show up at Mordor and he's going to bang on the gates. I'm going to knock you down. No, they brought an army. Right? And the church is the army. And the church is the army of God storming the gates of hell, and it's not going to survive. He didn't send us out there to be solo Christians. He sent us out there to be better together. And we together 
pray for me. I, was, I had another visit with my one this last week, uh, two weeks ago. And, and every time I've gone to see my one or any one of my ones, I've texted either our pastoral staff or our small group or whoever it might be appropriate. And I say, so-and-so, I'm going to go talk with so-and-so. We're going to have coffee. Please pray. And guess what's happening in that moment? I feel the power of prayer just spurring through that conversation because the church is better together. We, you can bring people here to see the gospel. We're better together. They can be a part of your group. They can visit stuff online. We're better together. We have more powerful impact for the body of Christ because we're together. It's, it's what God has done when evangelistically the church as a whole commits to proclaiming Christ. Together, there's power. You want to see people in your, in your life come to know Jesus? Commit fully to the church. Recruit us. Help us be a part of that. Change the world together. That's how it works. And number five, committed to a church is good for your family. Yeah, it is. 100%. And I, I, I could go into that for hours, but I'm losing time. So here's my definition of the church this morning. The church is not a building. The church is not a worship service. The church is not an organization. The church is a movement of ordinary people. You are not extraordinary. Neither am I. We are plainly ordinary. Ordinary people saved by Jesus, powered by the Holy Spirit, on mission for God. We're a movement. We're a team, together, advancing the mission down the field. That's what God has asked us to do. And when you're a part of the church, and this is the value of it, you are a part of the greatest movement this world has ever known and will ever know. Don't sit in the stands, don't watch from a distance, but get on the field. And let's move the ball forward. Here's some truths that we say at Branch Life Church, and we'll close with these, that we just want to keep in front of you to help you remember what we, what we believe the church is, because we're always fighting confusion. We're always fighting pain so that people can become a part of the church. God says, I will build my church. This is what he means. People don't enter the church. The church enters a building. People don't enter a church. The church enters a building. I don't like calling buildings churches. It gets confusing. The church enters the building. We, the people, are the church on mission for Jesus Christ. Number two, engagement is more important than attendance. You can attend a church but not be engaged. And we don't want you just to sit in the stands and soak it in and get fat. We don't want the donuts to go to your hips. We want you to get on the field and engage. Dedicate yourself to prayer, to the teaching of scripture, to the fellowship of the saints, to serving and using your gifts, to the preaching of God's word, to the, to the loving of God and loving of neighbor, to worshiping together with one another. Engage, even when you watch online, even when you participate in worship on a Thursday because you couldn't make it on Sunday or you're from out of town and you're watching online, how do you engage? Fill out the connection card. Let us pray for you. Allow us to come together with you. Get in part of a group. Make that connection. Text a friend who's a part of the church. Stay engaged with the church. Engagement, connection together, is more important than attendance. But engagement leads to greater attendance. Number three, and this is part of the confusion thing. Major on the mainers, minor on the rest. Major on the majors, minor on the rest. Most people are looking for the wrong thing when they're looking for a church. Most people want a place that has their style, 
They want a place that has their, uh, a good atmosphere. They want a place that's got things together. They want a place that's got a good worship team, right? And they sing the right songs and they have the right length service and they don't ask you to do too much or too little. And most people want the right programs. Those are the minors, right? We care about at Branch Life Church what God cares about. And this is what you should commit to for the rest of your life and your relationship to the church. We care about what God cares about. Number one, we care about a high view of scripture. We believe that the Bible is God's word and we, that matters. And the buck stops here, right? Not here, not what I see on the internet. Listen, you don't want a TikTok theology. There's Hundreds of thousands of followers listening to people on TikTok teach them about things like angels and demons, about, about how to, how to uh, meditate, about how to get healing, and all of those things are wrong if they're not based on the Word of God. You want to be a part of a church always for the rest of your life, wherever you are, that has a high view of Scripture. Number two. You want to be a part of a church that has a passion for making disciples. Why should that matter? It's the last thing Jesus said to do. Go and make disciples, right? Like it's a super, super big deal. And so I forever, in my, the rest of my life, I'm going to be committed to a disciple-making church. I remember I did not make this commitment until I was in my 30s. Listen to me. I've been a pastor since the year 2000. I'm that old. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was standing in a group of people, and we were learning about church, we were learning about how things were going, and the Holy Spirit crushed me in that moment. I was standing in the back, everybody else was sitting. I began to cry in that moment because I had not made this commitment to be a part of the rest of my life a disciple-making church. And it, I wasn't talking about leaving the church I was at or starting a new church. It had nothing to do with any of those things. It had a, an incredible heaviness in my spirit to care about lost people and the church reaching those lost people. And I did not care about that the way I should. And in that moment, I bowed my knee and I said to God, for the rest of my life, here I am. I will always forever be a part of a disciple-making church. And if I ever am connected to a church that no longer makes disciples, I'm out. And I'm going to go be a part of one that is. That is a non-negotiable for me. I care about trusted, qualified leadership. Some of the reasons there's a lot of church hurt in this world is because we can't trust or we don't have qualified leadership. And unfortunately, broken leaders can let us down. But you need to be a part of a church where you can trust the qualified leaders. If you can't, that's probably not where God has you. And number, number four, it needs to be a church that desperately loves their community. See, Branch Life Church has been able, by God's grace, to have an impact in our community in the short time that we've been together. At our impact conference, we're going to tell you more about it. But over the course of the last two years, we have been a part of community care in our neighbors. In some big projects like the Ashwood Fire Complex burning down, we were the tip of the spear for the community response for that for an entire year. To the point where Chester County actually acknowledged Branch Life Church and said, thank you for your service. And since then, we've adopted multiple families that have had their homes burned down in our, in our region. We actually are now the fire family church that if there's a fire, people call us because they know we're going to help. I like that reputation. 
We have a reputation for loving our neighbors. When the Ida floods hit, Chester County called Branch Life Church and said, Branch Life Church, can you help us find a couple dozen other churches in Chester County that will do what you do? And so we gathered over 20 church leaders in Chester County and we had them adopt people that were homeless because of the floods in Chester County last year. There were over 400 people that were displaced during that. No one church could handle it. No one county could handle it. But the family of God came together. Why? Because we love our neighbors. And when there was an explosion in Pottstown, uh, the Pottstown community reached out to Branch Life Church and said, hey, would you help us lead the effort? And we've raised over with the community $100,000 to help the eight, the nine families that were displaced by that explosion. And we're continuing to meet on a regular basis with, with community leaders to assist these families that are homeless because of that explosion. That's just some of what we do, have done as a church. And I can't wait to see what God will continue to empower us to do. Our groups serve weekly in big and small ways. They're helping people with meals. They're, they're caring for cancer patients. Our groups have done service projects. They, they con are connected to places like Operation Backpack and Anchored Ministries where we're out constantly reaching out and serving for those. Pottstown Area Children's Foundation. And the groups serve and you serve one another. I have story after story after story of people at Branch Life Church who have loved other people at Branch Life Church because we are family together. We love one another. It's what we're supposed to do. So this is what we care about. Because it's what God cares about. Now we care about some of the minors. Why do we care about some of the minors? Because guests care. People who don't know Jesus don't understand a high view of scripture or love of neighbors or what it means to make disciples. They're just being made into a disciple. When they come in, they, they, what they need to know is they need to know that there's a great first impression. It's called the seven-minute rule. If you have not had a good impression in the first seven minutes, you're out. <laughs> doesn't matter where you go. So we care at Branch Life Church about making a good impression. Can I say thank you to our parking lot guys, to our cafe people, to our, our greeters who are out there? Aren't they amazing? All God's people said amen, right? Like good work. We, we are securing in the background with a security team. We make sure the lights work. We're going to get a new sign out front because the old one needs to go, right? Like we have first impressions that matter to us. We care about safe and fun kids' environments. It's a big deal for parents to let their kids go uh, into a place where there are strangers watching them. We care about having engaging in contemporary music. We want to we engage in the music of today, and we care about impactful preaching and teaching. That matters, that it connects, and it's done well, and it's not boring. But it's not as important as the first four. A third idea, a fourth idea, remember, is the church is God's plan A. You hear us say it all the time. And guess what? There's no plan B. This is it. God's plan A is the church. And he wants you to be a part of it because you need the church. And the church absolutely needs you. So why should I become part of a church? What should I know? What should I teach others? Number one, we're better together. It's not good for man to be alone. You know what happens to the slow gazelle that's out in the African plain? Or the water buffalo that's out by himself? You know what happens to him? It gets eaten by a lion. I'm going to do church alone in the woods. Good luck. You're toast. Because there's a devil who's a lion seeking whom he may devour. We're better together. Two, we want to be encouraged and equipped. Let's consider how we can spur one another to helping fire families, to helping cancer patients, to helping the homeless, 
to feeding the hungry. Let's encourage each other in good works and good deeds. It, let's be a part of the church because of the gift of godly, godly leaderships, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Let's be a part of a church because we want to know the truth and no longer be tossed to and fro by TikTok theology, by the whims of this world, by political divisiveness. We want to know the truth of God and be committed to it. Let's have role models that I can model my life after. College students, follow someone else. Young couples, know a couple that loves each other and is a little bit longer, a little, a farther along the way. Take note of those who are living according to God's plan. And because we want to be a part of a rhythm of worship, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before our God, our maker. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. What's your week been like? Have you had a hard week, a confusing week? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? It's so easy on those weeks to pull your head, your, your head up under your covers and stay there in your, in your safe cocoon zone. Has life been busy? Have you been racing? Do you have too many commitments? Do you have too many bills to pay? It's so easy to throw away your, your weekend and start trying to earn more and do more and get more done because it's what you got to do. But a rhythm of worship answers all of those concerns. And when I commit myself to a rhythm, rhythm of worship, I show God that I value him and I have an answer to the weariness of my soul. And no matter what's on my plate, no matter what grief I'm feeling, no matter how much anxiety I have, I can come before God and I can be still and know he is holy. Amen? I can come in the lowest of lows and be lifted and reminded that God is still God, that he is sovereign, that he is the Messiah, and I am not, and I can trust him with my life. So God becomes the one who is answering my problems, not me. And when the week is good, when you have victory, when the sun is shining, we come in and we say, God, Thank you for this week. Thank you for this life. I offer it back to you. That's a rhythm of worship. So here at Branch Life Church, we call people to membership. We call people to join the team. We say, hey, we want you to be a part of the team here at Branch Life Church. And we use sports words on purpose. Not a committee, not an institution, not an not a organization. We're, we're a team on mission for God together. And at Branch Life Church, we, we believe that the church has been designed for a certain purpose. Based on the person of God, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We at Branch Life Church are rooted in Him. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so we ask everyone who's a member of our team at Branch Life Church to be involved in two things on a super regular basis, worship and small groups. Worship is that regular rhythm of coming before God and assembling together and being on mission and being sent forth. It's like practice. Small group is where we do life together. We grow in our faith. We encourage one another and care for one another. Our small groups have been amazing with some life trials over this summer and caring for each other. We, when we do our small groups together, we serve in our community in better ways. You don't have to wait for me. You can do it as a group. Just go and get it done. See a need, meet a need. And we multiply 
and we reach and we start more groups. We need some of your groups to send missionaries to other groups. We need to start groups in Elverson. We need to start groups in Phoenixville. We need to start groups in Chester Springs. We need to start groups in, in Douglasville. We've got places all over where we need to start groups. It just takes leadership. We need young adults and, and college-age leaders and, and all ki- young marrieds. We've got all kinds of stuff that's happening. And then from that, as we grow into this idea of disciples, we, we have things like service teams that you can be a part of. It. You can be a part of a leadership development pipeline where you're growing in your leadership skills and serving the church in other ways. You can join an equip class to get some more uh, academic understanding of Bible study and different topics in life. And as we continue to serve, as we continue to grow, all of you, uh, our small circle one-on-one Bible studies can help you grow in your discipleship so that we can together continue making disciples and start bearing fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, multiplications, church planning, and that fruit will grow. God is building the church, and the gates of hell will not storm against it. Are you in? Maybe you're not with us locally. Maybe you're looking for a church in the area or somewhere where you live online. Are you in? Are you ready to make that commitment? Today, we get a privilege of welcoming in this service and in our second service some new families. Some people that have already taken that step, they filled out the application online, and they said, we want to be a part of Branch Life Church, and they've been accepted into membership, and they are officially a part of the team. When you become a team member here at Branch Life Church, not only do you get to come to cool conferences called the Tick Conference, but you get a fantastic welcome box, and you get to be a part of a family that's on mission for God. Rob and Terry have been called to Branch Life Church over this past year, and Rob and Terry have been serving Jesus in, in our community their entire lives. Their, their uh, sons have been a part of Branch Life Church for, uh, since the very, very beginning, and we're excited today to officially welcome my friends, Rob and Terry, into the Branch Life family. Rob and Terry, would you kind of come up here? Let's give them a big round of applause. So you have your speeches prepared? No, you don't prepare. Oh, no, no speeches to be prepared. <laughs> So, Rob and Terry, here's your amazing gift box. Welcome to Branch Life Church officially today. It's exciting to uh, be at this moment with you guys, and it's special for me. Ah, love you guys. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in this next chapter and how he's going to use you as we continue to see the gates of hell stormed because we're better together. God, we thank you for Rob and Terry. We thank you for their stories. We thank you for their lives. We pray a prayer of dedication over them today that you will use them as they make this commitment to Branch Life Church in a powerful way to make disciples, to serve the body of Christ, to reach and love our neighbors. Lord, that they will continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we will be there for them when they need us and that they will be there for us when we need them. God, we, we pray that this moment would be the beginning of an incredible chapter in the story that you are writing. And Lord, we trust you in that. For every team member, for every regular attender, for everyone who's newly connecting with Branch Life Church, God, will you help us to be better together? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. I'll give you a hug too, Rob. Yeah. Thank you, John. You got it. Hey, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you can take some of the things that we talked about and use them in your spiritual journey. And again, if this has been an encouragement to you, go ahead and share it online. Don't forget, before you leave, to go to branchlife.church and fill out your connection card. We'd love to hear from you, particularly if you took a step of faith today. We'd love to know that. You can do that all on this connection card online. 
We hope you'll join us for the next episode as we talk about the next step that'll take you deeper in your faith. Have a great rest of your day.